2: Puki Mai I'm Toby Manai. This is Gone by Lunchtime, 52nd Parliament Edition. With me in the Pod Studio today, Ben Thomas Viceltium. How are you? Great. Annabel Lee from the Hui. How are you?
1: I'm very well.
0: Point of order.
2: Can we get a quorum count um, in the podcast? We have more. We also have Don is um, on the. But he hasn't it,
1: been sworn in yet, so he can't
2: vote. Possibly you're not referring to Don. Are you making reference to Waimihi Rose? I, or are you making reference to that's fine, the ba- ba- of parliament?
0: Ba- ba- babies are allowed in the in spin off chambers,
2: consistent with the um, theme of generational change in all things political. Wamihia Rose joins us for her second podcast. She is completely out cold, though I don't think she's going to be making even any snuffly noises. Mm-hmm. That was just a just, bell. Just, just, <laughs> just poke her,
0: just,
1: just a little jab. No, no, no. no. Okay, she's, fine.
2: she's um. Dreaming. Um, we're going to talk first before we get into the new government about about Paddles. Um, Paddles, the cat of the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern and, and spin
0: off contributor
2: Clark Gayford. Spin off contributor republished in The Herald and The, Guardian, the <laughs> and, Guardian and appeared in BBC, God knows where else. Um, uh, Paddles, though, outdoes them all for fame and um, even in death and so mm. annabelle you wanted to talk about petals
1: oh, i just think it's important that you know we acknowledge the solemnness of his passing i think petals was a girl yeah, that's that still works. It's good. Okay. It's
2: good. Go it's just when you said his passing, I, mean, I don't oh, want technical problem. Shit. Um. Anyway, yes, there's a, um thats that is that that is quite sad really, and um also not the first time on the dangerous roads of Point Chevalier.
1: No, that's right. I lost my cat Coastie,
0: hmm.
1: um about a week after we moved to Point Chev.
0: Andrew Little's cat Buddy disappeared when he was the Labor Party leader in 2016 um I'm not suggesting anything. I'm just noting it.
1: There's rumours of a political assassination. Have you heard about that?
2: <laughs> we're not even going to Gareth, Gareth Morgan isn't talking about Gareth Morgan. Uh, no, we're it's not, not Gareth Morgan. Did you
1: see the Paula Bennett video yesterday with
2: the one in the car? Paula,
1: Nikki K, Maggie Barry. Wow.
0: Do you remember the classic Toby Manhire interview? Andy Adams, all in a car, driving
1: around. Fuck.
0: Remember the classic Toby Manhire interview of act leader David Seymour where he talked about
2: the cat he had run over? I do remember In central Auckland? We've got a lot of leads (laughs) here, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to follow them all up. Um, our investigative so who is launching an
1: investigation? will
2: be uh, all over this. An 18-part podcast <laughs> true,
0: hosted by Martin
2: crime. Van Bainen. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it called? Black Paws. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Parliament started um, a, a, little, a pretty good start for the Jacinda Ardern-led government with the New Zealand First and Coalition and Green alongside and um, very decisive, very firm. Uh, nipped over to Australia. Made clear they were doing that; they were taking that seriously.
1: Kicking ass and taking names.
2: And then Parliament returned, and it wasn't such a great day, was it?
1: Well, I don't know if it was quite as horrendous as the headlines made out omni-shambles and catastrophe and omni-shambles sorry I said that wrong catastrophe and chaos and all the rest of it but um, they certainly didn't cover themselves in glory and I think Chris Hipkins really um, dropped the ball and I think you know it was one thing for National to to, to try it on, but cool heads should have prevailed, and I, I feel like um, instead they panicked and they crumbled, and now they've they've done a literally done a deal with the devil mm. over the um. So Not the literally committees. the devil. Not literally but the literally devil. A deal. Unless it is proven that someone from the National Party was involved in the death of the paddles, paddles and then the paddles, that's paddles arguable. Like, yeah.
2: Yeah. See where you get go.
0: I mean, in a, in a way, the devil, you know, who presides over the opposition from hell. As national has been dubbed, yes, with its its heaving fifty six person mass yeah. spilling forth from the bowels of the earth <laughs> to hold the government to account as Her Majesty's loyal opposition. So, uh, the the, the as, as Annabelle alluded to, you know, there's a, a lot of there, there was quite some, some quite. Um, Fiery reporting about this, you know, sort of on the yeah. shambles. The and, six
2: o'clock news was all fiasco and
0: fast. Fiasco, fast. I, I, over the last couple of days, I've I've been getting New Zealand Herald and One News breaking news alerts. On normally, my phone. normally
2: Mike Hosking has written another opinion
0: piece. <laughs> haven't they yeah. They but, even get but, me
1: started on that.
0: But these ones are about points of order in the House and quorums, and, when, oh. and whenever I, whenever I <laughs> whenever I swipe on the highly exclamation point inflected update. I just get taken <laughs> to a video of Parliament and somebody kind of asking wow. for the Speaker's attention wow. and asking for a count of members. This um, is like the kind it's, of it's always a bit footnotes of, of Jacinda Mania. Yeah. I, um, but so so what happened is Trevor Mallard, the very long serving um, Labour MP, formerly of Hut South, um, who came back specifically, essentially, to be the Speaker. A, yeah, it was Speaker or nothing for
2: him. Yeah,
0: yeah of, of the House and the Speaker is the. Person who presides over parliament and kind of keeps order. Um and a bit like it, me in this podcast, <laughs> in a way. They, Very that's much right. so. yeah. The yeah, the, the kind of eminence gree of the of the proceedings. And National had indicated they would be supporting Trevor Mallard as speaker. Um, supposedly Simon Bridges, the shadow leader of the House, the former National Party Minister, cast his eye across to where to where MPs were being sworn in taking their oath putting their hand on the bible or another book of significance and you know swearing their allegiance to the queen and he noticed that there were there were, there were a few opposition mp uh, sorry uh, government MPs missing um, and normally you're allowed various members um, to be away and you can still Proxies. cast their votes as, as proxy when did
1: are you about to say that this was done on the hop? And that it wasn't premeditated.
0: Well, that, that's the National Party narrative, is that they, they noticed that there were not... Well, it, it's hard to tell, right? Because initially initially the reports were that National had noticed Labor didn't have the numbers because they had a few absent MPs who hadn't been sworn in and so whose votes couldn't be used. And so they, they didn't have enough numbers to have Trevor Mallard elected. And when National pointed this out to Labor, Labor went into a flurry and were forced to sort of make some procedural concessions on various other things that they disagreed with National on in order to get safe passage from Mallard through the House. However, everyone did a bit of a count up and realized that Labor actually did have enough MPs, 58, in the House, uh, Labor, Greens and New Zealand First, did have 58 MPs the whole time. They always had more than the 56 available to the opposition. So... Both parties now, you know, National then claimed that they had bluffed Labour. Um, they had played a, a high-risk game of poker and, and Labour had folded. Labour claimed that they knew that they had enough um, votes to get Mallard into the Speaker's seat, but they, they just didn't want a contested vote, and that's why they offered these They wanted a consensus, which yeah, doesn't they... wash at all. Which doesn't wash at all. Mm. No, well, I, I don't think either of these... Stories make much sense. I, I I think National looked over, were a bit uns saw that there were a few people missing,
2: thought they might have a shot, so yeah. made a few you know five. So that's what shots. Simon. That's what Simon Ridge has, has said yeah. as much. Well. He said he wouldn't call it a bluff. He wouldn't call it. I'm not sure what his words were, but basically they exactly that they thought. Oh, I'm not sure if they've got the numbers because those people haven't been sworn in properly. There are a few missing. Gareth Hughes wasn't there either. I don't know why. Gareth Hughes was um, missing. Potter Williams was missing. And yeah. and so they 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 kind of they they tried it on basically yeah. and really the you you say it was just a procedural a few procedural concessions it's slightly more than that and that it's about the number of um national party mps that will sit on select committees right well
0: so, no, I, I mean we can we should probably get to that a bit afterwards because that sort of gets quite convoluted but i mean what essentially happened is you know on the wire you have these police officers talking about how you know at every point you know, you would have to know I'm on the third floor of this building in this street, and I'm facing west, and that's the sort of thing you need to know in the house. You have you have to know how many numbers you've got at all times, um, and quite clearly, the, quite clearly, the government didn't have a good grasp on its numbers, and they didn't realise that you know you know, who was there and who was missing. And for or a, for or, or a... they did know and then their confidence got shaken mm-hmm. because there has been all this talk about the overpowering sort of size of the opposition, oh, and they got okay. a bit spooked. And, and... I
1: find it hard to believe that Simon Bridges gazed across the House and saw that, you know, there's a couple of Labour MPs. Sure, I think that this is probably something that um, they had um, thought about doing and put into play it was you know he's a what was he a former crown prosecutor he's pretty smart and I think that they probably had this card up their sleeve and played it perfectly well and Coolhead should have prevailed on Labor's side and they should have um, firstly they should have come to Parliament organized particularly when their leader is vulnerable as she is grieving the loss of paddles and um, I think
0: paddles were still alive then re- no, I don't think so no oh, paddles
1: no? are gone. She still came to work. I
0: thought that was I thought that was news from overnight.
2: Well, it was news from overnight, but paddles, 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 paddles passed into Cat Heaven yesterday. I don't know exactly what time.
0: Episode. We've got eight, we've got editing episodes <laughs> to, to stretch it out. Out. Yeah.
2: <laughs> We'll get to this sort of in you know between episodes six and seven.
1: But yeah, I think that um, that it, it was certainly something. I I think it would have been. Um, something they were planning to do. They saw the opportunity and they took advantage of a very fresh um, Labour government.
2: So a bluff, you reckon it was a bluff? Absolutely. From the, from yeah, well, um, and, and a pretty effective one given... Very I mean, a, effective apart one, from that, with
1: lot, you know, like...
2: It's uh, piss up in a brewery sort of stuff, isn't it? When you're trying to run a three-party three government. You've got to be on top of yeah, that Yeah, and stuff. I'm sort
1: of in two minds about whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for, for Labour because I think, you know, on the good side, it's they've fired a warning shot really early and I don't think Hipkins will make the same mistake again and they'll be pretty sure of their numbers every time they walk into the House now and prepared for anything. Have a well, I mean, abacus on side, Yeah, and then <laughs> on the flip side, you know, it's, it's not a, a great start to Parliament. Having said that, well, most New Zealanders care... Probably not, and it does make uh, national look like bad sports.
0: Mm. Ben? Yeah, look, I think that um, it. Sorry, we just. No.
2: <laughs> no, carry on. We, we, just, we, just, just we can end the long silence. Yeah, right. It's fine.
0: Um, the, yeah, look, I mean, it, 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 it's not great. Um, you, you shouldn't. You, but it, it's not something that will happen again, in the sense that now, now that you know everyone's been sworn in or will be sworn in eventually, um, you'll have those proxies. So, so there isn't that sort of situation where you actually have to sort of guess at how many people are physically in the chamber. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, you know, I, th- I think this was a sort of un- pretty unfortunate accident um, for Labour. And it's not one that actually can be repeated again. Um, and I think it, it will it will sort of jolt them into awareness about um, about house procedure. Mm.
2: Can you give us the um, TLDR on the select committee spots? Um, you, you 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 mentioned it in the last podcast, and um, we all started nodding off. Um, but you were right; you were you were ahead of the curve there. Um, and it, and it, it matters because why? So. Part of the business of Parliament is
0: select committees, and some of those select committees have particular areas of <laughs> law. Um, so, Justice and Electoral Select Committee. He has not point
2: anyone to sleep now. He's woken up while Here, Rose, with his discourse on select committee numbers. Sorry, you were saying but... that? That's because it's compelling content. It's great. The Transport and Industrial Relations Select Committee, the Environment
0: Select Committee, you know, they, and they consider laws that relate to particular areas. Mm. They can do investigations. And Membership on select committees is proportional. Membership on all select committees across government, Parliament is proportional to a party's representation in the House. However, ministers and members of the executive don't tend to sit on those subject area select committees, which means that the government, even though traditionally the government has sort of more MPs than the opposition, um, once you take those ministers out, sometimes they get, their backbenchers can get a bit stretched if they're if they're um, asked to sit on, you know, too many select committees. And so the more positions that are available on select committees, the more work everyone has to do to kind of cover all of those slots between mm. the 120 MPs um, minus the ministers. And and what that means is that sometimes it will, f- you know, depending on how many slots you've got available for select committees for everyone to cover, that will either advantage um, the opposition in just in the sense that... Government backbenchers might be overstretched or might not be able to make meetings and they'll have scheduling issues. And so you could get in a tactical situation where they're outmatched on committees where they would otherwise have a majority. Yep. And and that's the only thing that's at issue here. So the, the government, the Labour in particular, because about half of the Labour MPs are members of the executive, they don't want their backbenchers overworked you know, running around different select committees, whereas national, if the number was reduced to ninety-six places in total from one hundred and twenty, which was what was intended in the last parliament, yeah, that would mean before such a big opposition, single yeah. opposition party was envisaged. National with fifty-six MPs, some of its some of its MPs they said would not get the chance to sit on select committees. They'd have nothing or, to do. They'd be yeah. twiddling their thumbs. That's right. Yeah. I'm and sure. they and 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 they would have to do that in their own offices instead of turning up to select committees to twiddle their thumbs, <laughs> like a lot of uh, low rank backbenchers do sometimes. But um, and and the compromise that was reached um, during the the heat and fury of yesterday's parliament was um, that I think what a hundred and eight, a hundred and nine. So
2: they 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 kind of met in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, in a hasty, hastily convened. Uh, scrum um over by the opposition benches. Yeah, which, which Robertson. And, and and that wasn't voted on, you know,
0: that was just that's a handshake agreement, right? And and it's good that we have the kind of parliament where you actually, you know, you can still rely on just shaking the hand of your opponent um or your opposition um, you know, to make these deals and that we would still expect that Um, to be upheld, and we wouldn't sort of rely on, you know, kind of weird procedural kind of um, finicking. Do
1: you think Labor could renege on that?
0: Well, they could. They absolutely could, but I don't think they will. Um, Because, you know, I I don't think Labor will renege on that, even though they they could quite easily. And this is the other thing to remember, is that when you command a majority of the House, you you basically set Parliament's rules, um, because... Our parliament we don't have a written constitution well we it's written down in different places but essentially parliament kind of runs itself and when you have when you command the majority of the house like the government does albeit split up into three parties you know you can you can actually stop um the opposition from playing kind of procedural silly buggers you know it is possible to filibuster in new zealand mm. Mm. But it's not the same as the United States, where you can just get up and start reading from Ulysses and and hold the floor for 24 hours or something like that, right? But it is a, it is a, it is
2: a fine line, isn't it? And the point that Annabelle makes uh, is that you know too much of this, too much of these this sort of stuff, the too much shenanigans and kind of neat stuff, and quickly the opposition starts to look as though it's being disruptive. Already, people in Labor are trying to do that to say, oh, they're they're, they're being tricksy. You know they're they're trying things on, and if if there was if there was much of that filibustery carry on, then I think that that might come back might backfire.
1: Yeah, well I think there's already a perception. Yeah, I don't know if you guys listened to Camp Hill um, interview English yesterday, but there is already a perception that um, National are being petulant, right. and that um, that yeah basically they had Labor over a barrel. Over the select committee stuff, although um, when they were still in government, they were more than happy to um, to reduce those numbers. Now that they're in opposition, they're suddenly vehemently opposed to it. And English is saying it's because they were doing their best to um, accommodate Labor at the time. Well, um, it's not. It's it's not often that you see a government wanting to be so accommodating of. Of the opposition in that regard so i think um a lot of people will see it for for what it was
2: um and yet on the other hand i sort of feel as though there's a danger with some partisans that have been um cross with national party what do they think they're doing opposing the government it's, know, kind, it's in the because name. because it's kind of yeah, the, clue, right. the clue the clue, <laughs> is the right. name. They yeah. it? They
1: did they did their job yesterday as the oppos- you know, they did what was best for the opposition yesterday. That you know, it was a a genius move really, when you when you look at it from um from that um from that point of view, but I think a lot of people will be irritated by it
0: i i don 't think many people will remember this in three years' time when we go back to the the polls i don 't no, think many people right. will remember this no. um, you know what 's parliament parliamentary question time starts
2: this okay is... well, well that 's good we, no one cares we 've covered that <laughs> um, the The other thing that happened in a big day for politics new zealand yesterday you 're right what 's up
1: no, I just realized it was totally wrong no it was because um well, it was because English had said that um that they were going to do everything they could to thwart, and yeah. um, the government and the select committees that Labor then, you know, um, moved to reduce retaliated. the number yeah, yeah. retaliated through the numbers. Sorry, that was but, a little and, and a little. Maternal hormones moment. Been having it's a it's them, okay because
2: we've established that no one cares anyway. But <laughs> That's anyway, right. So and it was all a bit of shadow
0: boxing anyway because the proportionality actually stays exactly the same yeah. no matter what the numbers are. So National didn't gain or lose a majority on select committees as a result.
2: Um, let's talk about Winston Peters who also yesterday made himself um, front and centre of the news despite, I guess, being on an aeroplane to Vietnam at the time. Um, in that papers were served on nine individuals, including MPs, among them Bill English and Paula Bennett. And who's the MSD CEO? That? Brendan Boyle. That guy. And Clark Hennessy, the National Party staffer, who Winston Peters in these papers believes to be the prime suspect, which is strongly denied by Clark Kennedy. And, and, and former Paula Bennett staffer. Mm. Former, former Paula Bennett staffer, Clark Kennedy, Also and also upon on um, uh, Tim Murphy, the founder and editor of newsroom. the newsroom website, and Lloyd Burr, mm-hmm. political reporter at News Hub.
1: I'm interested, uh, why Lloyd Burr, though? Because it was actually Jenna Lynch that took That took the call. That took the original phone right, call.
2: Right. I mean, I think that it must be because, I mean, Lloyd Burr was the one who made the call to uh, Winston Peters to put the mm. allegations to him. And then one thing that hasn't been mentioned in all this is that actually the story was broken by Winston Peters, because <laughs> I remember he put out the press release. He I remember, because it had been, there'd been all this talk and there'd been the mm. Tim Murphy mother of all scandals. What we're talking about for people who aren't familiar is the story that broke, what, a um, couple of weeks out from the election? Um, It was shortly after the National Party campaign launch, um, at which, according to Winston Peters, Stephen Joyce was heard to say, can't remember the words, but that there was some big story coming on Winston Peters. Um, I heard, I was at that conference, I did hear um, talk about there being a story about Winston Peters, not directly from National Party people, but from among the press pack. Um, And the story, it turned out, was that Winston Peters presumably, um, unbeknownst to him, had been uh, receiving more uh, superannuation than he was entitled to, owing to an error that had been made on a form. He, of course, had paid that back quickly, blah, blah, blah. But Winston is very cross about the story getting out and it seemed to have something to do with the no, no surprises rule. And there were various people that knew, including Paula Bennett and Wayne Anne Eagleson Tully. and Ann Tolly. Wayne Eagleson being the chief of staff. They've
1: also been served, eh? Yeah, I think so. Tolly
2: and Bennett. Yeah, and... Uh, Peter's uh, got very cross about this and uh, felt, felt that it was politically motivated and so now he's served these papers seeking discovery so that he can work out which, who he's going to take action again, presumably was it under a privacy? Um, breach of privacy, breach taught, privacy I think. presumably, yeah, yeah. Um, So, uh, that I don't know, I mean uh, our view, oh I should mention just as an aside that we, um, the first week wind we got of this was when someone turned up in the spin-off office looking for Tim Murphy uh, with papers we realised later they had papers to serve um, uh, making the mistake that Tim Murphy worked for a different um, exciting media start-up to the one that he in fact does where am I going is um, is Winston Peters doing his government any favours by taking this course of uh, course of action I mean you know
1: I don't think it'll hurt them
2: there's
0: two questions. The first is, does Winston have a point? Mm-hmm. And he absolutely does. Yeah. His personal information, which was that he had been overpaid superannuation, um, was disclosed by the Ministry of Social Development to their minister, Ann Tolly, which they had no reason to do, mm-hmm. um, because that is not a ministry That's a completely operational thing. Uh, a matter involving somebody's personal details. Um, the minister has no right to know that kind of thing. Um, and then the Ministry of Social Development, when they were seeking advice about whether they should tell Anne Tolley, their minister, this under the so-called no surprises rule, they consulted with the State Services Commission, which is meant to be the kind of ball walk or guardian of the public service mm. against m- political interference, essentially, and when the State Services Commission said, yeah, you probably should be on the safe side and tell her, they decided that under the no surprises rule, they should probably tell their minister, Paula Bennett, that. So this 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 organization, which is meant to be the most neutral civil service organization, ended up being basically an informant network for one of the most political um you know, ministers in the government, Paula Bennett, and, and basically she herself described it as good gossip mm. and said that she wouldn't share it on that basis. But there, there's no reason for senior civil servants like Peter Hughes at the, States, the State Services Commissioner to be gossiping with their political masters about information that they shouldn't even know um, about individuals' um, you know, payment records.
1: And English said at the time too, didn't he, that that information shouldn't have been that, yeah. shared with the minister. He was, he was
0: very quick to condemn. So Winston is right to want answers about this. Where I think he might be on the wrong track is pursuing this as a private individual and, and going after these people, you know, as Winston Raymond Peters' private citizen through the courts. What... A better course of action probably for the country would be is to get Peter Hughes in as the state services commissioner and tell him he needs to radically reevaluate his approach to the no surprises policy, and then he needs to disseminate that re-evaluation throughout the civil service so that the civil service aren't being used as a five-eyes network for the government of the day and that they're not there just to knock on people to their ministers. And that, you know, and and hopefully we'll see some action on this from the the current government um, in the coalition agreement with the Greens. They talk about you know introducing more transparency, improving OIA processes, and this is all part of you know restoring a bit of independence to the public service and getting them away from just being henchmen to politicians.
1: Do you think that won't be happening anyway?
0: I, there hasn't been any kind of announcement about it that I'm aware of. I hope I hope that
2: it's happening. The serving papers on the media as well, isn't that a bit chilling? I mean, I found that a bit troubling that you just sort of kind of serve, serving for the Deputy Prime Minister. Admittedly, the papers were issued before before the election, two days before the election, but the, the, the very sight of the Deputy Prime Minister demanding that media reveal their sources seems to me pretty distasteful and chilling.
1: Yeah, it's always concerning when you have, um, you know politicians sort of um, um, putting pressure on journalists. Um, But having said that, I think at the time, you know, I made the criticism that as a journalist, it's not, in my own opinion, it's not just enough to accept sources at face value and run the information they have, even if you can verify that it's true. I think it's... You also you have an obligation to really understand what the motivations of of those sources are, um, and I I'm not sure if um, if there was enough um, probing by the journalists before they ran the stu- story as to why that information was getting leaked into and, yeah, the- and, and, and and for what reason. But, and and but that's, and the that's story. concerning.
2: But Winston broke the story. He Hadn't broke it because
1: he knew that they were going to to run it. The tweet, mother of all tweets, oh, okay. was the mother of all scandals. Was was, was already out there. Yeah, so he knew yeah. that its release was imminent, and he, he chose to to spoil it, which may come back to hurt him in terms of the you know this case because yeah, ultimately he was the one that really put it out there in the in, in the in the public um, in public. So. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this one plays out. But can I just say how right I was when on election night I said um, yeah. that that um, that this will this um this will have an effect um on on who. Winston chooses to form a coalition with, and while I absolutely believe that had there been no other choice, of course he would have formed a government with with National, Um, I absolutely believe that it would have totally tainted his relationship with with National, and if there was any way that he was going to be able to form a coalition with Labour, then he would, because um, it's pretty serious what went down to have your such private information leaks like that in the middle of an election campaign to such a major news outlet um, is is pretty dirty stuff and
2: he's clearly Winston Peters is clearly determined or sure mm. pretty sure in his own mind that the leak has come from been politically motivated and come from someone in the national party. Do you or- think that's right Ben that in a way that makes the whole process of negotiation, Look different, knowing that he was in a position where surely he wasn't about to serve papers on the prime minister if he was deputy <laughs> prime minister. You know, does that change the complexion of all of that? No, I mean you—you
0: you, you always set up to keep your options open. You know, he, uh, when when he sort of filed these papers, yeah, you know, he's always got the um the option to not serve them. Yeah, yeah. so I I don't think that. I don't think that it does show that you know everything was predetermined. You know, it could certainly show that he was weighted one way or the other, um, but certainly no, no predestination there. Um, I think it's interesting. Australia had an, um, a sort of similar situation recently, where was it a, a minister's office tipped off journalists about a raid on a union headquarters, um, and then the and and the minister, the ministers, the minister in question um, denied leaking the information to jur- leaking the information about the raid so that journalists could be there to see it and take shots and yeah. things. And then I think it was a BuzzFeed ran a story um, quoting two journalistic sources anonymously saying actually the tip-off did come from the minister's office. And there the question became, you know, actually what we're doing is not revealing sources, what we're doing is um, catching a minister out in a lie. Yeah. when they deny the leak yeah. now if you saw a similar sort of thing happen here you'd say maybe there is some sort of value in that at the same time we shouldn't be getting into an area where courts are compelling journalists to release their sources um but i think like annabelle mm. was talking about i think journalists will sometimes become a bit more critical if that if they see for instance sources directly contradicting you know what they know is the case you know in terms of a um, a disclosure
2: Let's talk briefly uh before we go about the national Party opposition and the reshuffle there this supposed monster monster opposition um Ben the reshuffle was pretty small there wasn't much change there were a few promotions. Judith Collins moved about and tolly moved um, to assistant speaker um I put it to you sir, that This is precisely the reshuffle you might uh, introduce if you were planning quietly in the back of your mind to quit as leader in six months' time.
0: I don't think that necessarily follows. It might be, as a lot of National Party proxies have been sort of saying in the media, it might be the kind of government, uh, the kind of lineup you'd have if you thought that you were going to reassume government in anywhere from six months to three years. Um, you know, the, I, I know that some people. Why would national, you do that? I know that some people, in national, believe that there, you know, there may be a change of government in without France. without an election. Uh, I, I I don't think it's likely, but you know, people have discussed that. So
2: sorry, just briefly, what's that scenario? Is that is that
0: a, is that a waka jumping scenario? That's that's a wacker jumping scenario. Okay. Now, whether it's realistic or not, I know that that's something that's discussed, right? So if it, it it's what are very, you talking about? Just
2: briefly on that plausible
1: i don't
2: think so because you were right on election i've just got a note down here (laughs) right right
1: again again it was two correct things that i
2: said yeah because the last book i was talking about we're talking about Ben being wrong about
1: so many his prediction about which way yeah
0: anyway sorry you you were saying (laughs) that it's also the sort of lineup you might have if you didn't think you did anything wrong uh, during your time in government right. and that the public just needs to come to its senses which unfortunately, <laughs> which I think unfortunately for the National Party is actually quite a prevalent attitude right now right. Um, and that's the sort of attitude which sees you leaving Jonathan Coleman in health which he somehow managed to turn from the safest portfolio in National under Tony Ryle into a debacle during the election in only three years um, it's... It's this sort of idea, you know, there there has been this idea floated that because there's so many former ministers um, who know government inside and out, to quote um, one political columnist, that they'll be able to really give the new government uh, ministers the runaround at question time. I'm I'm a bit leery of that. I think that if you didn't get to grips with your portfolio over three to nine years, you're not going to suddenly become a quick study over the summer break yeah um to the, the, only, the only the right only one beyond rings. the pale was nick smith who hasn't
2: hasn't <laughs> been reappointed to a housing portfolio right
0: uh, yeah that's right that was the only significant sort of demotion uh, you know or removal of responsibilities um that's the only one where they you could sort of say yeah we we think we be think so we were, we're ridiculous wrong to have, yeah. we're, whereas you could actually you could You could pick a lot of previous ministers who really didn't impress in their portfolios, who didn't bring a lot to the table, and who were just their rubber-stamping officials. Um, And and, and this seems like a little bit of a... I, I, I think it's too early to do big kind of reshuffles because they did get 44%, right? So there wasn't a huge amount of unhappiness with their performance out in the electorate at large. Um, so you you wouldn't sort of go crazy, but I th- I think it I think it is a bit, bit bizarre that they didn't take time for a bit of weeding. Um, there were certainly some good promotions. Uh, guys like Jonathan Young got Energy and Resources. He's in Taranaki, so that's pretty apt. Um, Chris Bishop got Police. That's a very active opposition portfolio. Uh, Scott Simpson got Environment. That's a bit of a, a bump up for him. Um, and Todd Muller got a crown multi relationship and climate change, which is a big promotion and responsibilities for a reasonably unknown backbencher about three years ago.
2: What did you make of it all, Annabelle? Did you expect to see, did you think did you expect to see a bigger reshuffle on the the main opposition party?
1: Um, I, I personally thought one of the things that was interesting in the divvy up of um, of of the ministerial portfolios was the um, treaty negotiations minister. And I note that um, in a couple of interviews, Calvin Davis has said that the advice they received was that it wouldn't be appropriate for a Maori to hold that position um, because it could potentially be a conflict of interest. And yeah. even if there's not a real conflict of interest, a perceived conflict conflict of interest is, um, you know, is a problem also. And, and I thought about that for a couple of days and and um, I have to say that, um, you know, given that the treaty was signed by both Māori and Pākehā, if you were to sort of follow that argument, would it then not also be a conflict of interest for a Pākehā to hold, to hold that position? I think that it's a bit of a slippery slope and while I, I totally realise that Calvin um, does have some real conflicts of interest in terms of the Ngāpuhi um, settlement. I think to 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 um, have such a blanket approach and that all Māori would be unable to hold that position is a somewhat um, well, concerning one.
2: Well, all ministers of the Crown would have a conflict in effect yeah, being exactly, ministers exactly. of the Crown. Um, but is it not also partly because Calvin Dose is Ngāpuhi, isn't he? So isn't that yes, part that's of it? Right. Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, I,
0: I would be amazed. Absolutely. So I get
1: I get why Calvin per se, Calvin himself couldn't couldn't hold that position, but to say that a, a Maori could not, which is I just checked the interviews again. Did he say that, that right? That's what's been reported. Um, that's concerning because you know someone like perhaps um, uh, um, Ron Mark, with the exception of the Kahungunu settlement, mm. I don't see why he would have a massive conflict of interest holding that position or others you know Kiri tapu Ellen say who's um, um, who's been a, a treaty lawyer herself so yeah I just think it's a an interesting um, an, an interesting uh, argument there
0: I think if that is the advice Kelvin received um, it sounds a bit crazy to me um, and I think they would definitely want to get a second set of eyes on that. If if that was the the opinion of the cabinet office, um, it it certainly doesn't sound right to me. I mean, the, the issue that you you get with um, being of Māori descent is if you're if if you if you have any lineage or descent um from the named parties in a treaty settlement, then you are a beneficiary, you know. It's kinda of, kinda of like the Barnaby Joyce situation in, in Australia, you know, whether whether you want to be or not, you're a named beneficiary. Um so there you you do basically have a legal conflict if um you'd be negotiating a settlement, you know, for an iwi that you you have lineage. You could
2: from. renounce your maoriness. You'd be famous. always says that
0: um, and so, so I mean, obviously, yeah. So, and for that reason, you know, when Chris Finlayson was Treaty Settlements Minister, because of course he had worked for Ngātiahu during their uh, settlement negotiations, so anything that involved um, revisiting their settlement um, and the issues around that, he would always delegate to another minister. And that would be the same sort of situation you'd have if yeah, if, if um, somebody like Kelvin became Treaty Minister and was, was working on a Napoli settlement. Now, that's such a big part of that portfolio right now. They may have just thought, well, that kind of rules him out sort of from contention.
2: Um, let's wrap it up. The We're now um, nearly three weeks, 20 days as we speak, since uh, Winston Peters uh, chose... Out of the two sort of jars in front of him, chose the red one. Um, and how has it gone so far? The Ardern government, give us a mark out of um, ten, or out of eleven point seven billion, or whatever you like. Um, ben Thomas, what do you? How do you rate the performance of the government so far?
0: I, th- I think a
2: hundred and nine select
0: committee slots out of a hundred and twenty. I think they've done. Well, They've done well. Look, you know where they've come in for criticism has been some pretty minor house management stuff, which I don't think is a big problem. Um, they've gotten off the they've gotten off the block really quickly in terms of implementing um, manifesto pro, uh, promises. You know, in terms of extending parental leave, um, just under Ardern, you know, rhetorically at least, has been a lot stronger in the foreign policy space than we saw our um, previous government being. Um she's she's sort of been a lot more assertive in terms of things like New Zealanders' rights in Australia and Manus Island. Um no, I like I think it's a pretty strong performance. So you're giving
2: it there was a, there was sort of an eight, eight and a half, eight and a half, something. Yeah, I think what does no. about, yeah, almost a nine. Almost a nine uh Annabelle Lee.
1: Yeah, I give them a nine. I think it's been a really um strong start and I think a a lot of women like me will be happy to see that um the paid maternity leave being extended, I think it's a really great thing to, to um, spend our money on if mm-hmm. we're serious about um, supporting tamariki and their whanau um, But points off for, for yesterday, yeah. and points or for is it diplomatic security for not doing a good enough job protecting paddles. <laughs>
2: um, paddles, uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with the group. Um, uh, that's the end of the paddlecast. We, um, devoting this. To paddles and dead cats everywhere. The memory of paddles. <laughs> kia ora tewi, kia Butler here, podcast manager at the spin off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our Mahi by signing up to become a spin off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate.